Rah, my podcast people, we're back, and it's a beautiful Thursday. Uh, exciting lineup we got coming here. Uh, gonna talk a little bit of what I'm excited about for the rest of the season. Touch on one of my faves from back in the day. Now I still like him, but not as much. Uh, Jimmy Buckets, Jimmy Butler. Um, and then, I, and then uh, last but not least, uh, we're going to talk about uh, some crazy and annoying behavior that I find a lot of NBA players do. Uh, but of course, we're going to start with our Seinfeld thoughts. Uh, so few things today uh, that happened. Um, I'm in the gym throwing around weight like I'm in space. I'm talking 300, 400, 500. doesn't matter. Tossing it off my chest, throwing it around. Um, So I'm in the zone. And this guy next to me says something. So I look over at him and take out out my uh, headphones like, what? Oh, and then notice that he wasn't looking at me. A few seconds later, it says it says something again. It's throwing me off my rhythm. And um, this guy's singing. He's singing. And uh, just out loud with headphones in. So nobody can hear the music. But he's just vibing out. And uh, I don't know how to feel about this. Because in one respect, I, uh, I give him props for being in the zone, not really caring who's around him. And the other respect, uh, you can do that without audibly singing. And uh, I don't know how to take it. So um, I, at the end of the day, I think it's too much of a distraction for it to be. If everybody in the gym was just singing, come on, man. And you're not that much in the zone and that much into the song that you're doing it. But I don't know what kind of pre-workout this guy's on. Maybe he's got something that I don't that just locks you in like a little Adderall crushed up with some nitric oxide and, uh, you know, snorting a little creatine. I don't know. But uh, he was in the zone. He was singing and uh, I didn't like it. Little, It wasn't even like rock or rap or anything. It was just like uh, a normal, like melodic song. So, um, so that was uh, that was one thing with the gym. Uh, thought was curious. Uh, hope I don't see it again. Probably will. Uh, the other thing with the gym today, and there's a certain age that in the gym locker rooms, guys specifically. I don't know. This might be for girls too, but I've never been in a girls locker room. Um, but for for guys. They hit a certain age and they just walk around naked all the time in my locker room. It's like they get their AARP card and just stop caring and just nuts out. Not like going somewhere, but just like wandering the locker room. Like they'll walk over and they'll throw in some mouthwash. Uh, They'll walk over to the showers. They'll walk back from the showers. They'll go get a towel. They'll... They'll sit down on the on the benches, just sitting there. I don't like that. Um, and I think, you know, what, what do you tell these guys, though? They're, they're 55, 60 years old, kind of just letting it hang. Uh, so 
you know, I just try to keep my eyes up, head on a swivel, not really looking around and try to, you know, if I catch a naked old guy walking by my peripherals, I'll turn the other way. Um, but I mean, really, is it too much to just like throw on some underwear? That's it. You just got to throw on underwear. It's not like you're airing it out so much that it's going to be that much better. Uh, I don't know what these guys are thinking, but, um, so that's just something that I saw today and didn't like two things at the gym. Uh, the last thing, last thing of my Seinfeld tots. And, and again, for those who are new, uh, we've got an ever growing audience. So I want to just recap what Seinfeld's thoughts are. They're just thoughts that pop into my head randomly throughout the day that I want to discuss. And uh, there's there's two more two more things. One, it's it's these well two of them that are pretty pretty much aligned in in that um, I can't believe we haven't made more progress. One of them being uh, toilet paper. So we're living in 2020. We've got a ton, I just saw today there's an autonomous scooter where you can hail a scooter. It'll ride to you in the bike lane and uh, come pick you up. And then you can hop on that scooter and ride around. We've got drones. We've got autonomous cars. Uh, they're not legal yet, but they, they're driving around. They've, they're putting miles on them. And, and with all we know and all the technological advances that we have, and especially medically, all we know, we are still using toilet paper in 2020. And I'm and I'm just talking about taking a dump. And we decide that the best way to do something that affects 100% of the population is to grab a pa- a piece of paper towel, basically, and just rub it all around until we feel comfortable enough to start walking. It doesn't clean it. And, you know, I'm embarrassed by our society that that's become a norm. Like, would you, could you imagine if, if, uh, you know, you come in from doing something outside, your hands are all dirty and you just grabbed a towel and just like brushed your hands on it and then went to go eat, eat something with your hands. No, we have something, we go and we wash our hands with soap and water, kills, our, kills all the germs, and then we, then we use our hands to eat. Every single thing we have, we have shampoo for our hair, soap for our body. And then for our butts, we just use toilet paper. We just smear it around, and then we throw it down the toilet. <laughs> it's like, come on, man. And there's solutions out there. I don't know why... It's not a normal thing. Every single public restaurant, every single public place should have, you know, a bidet. You can clean that action off and walk around with a clean butt. But, you know, that's where we are. The other thing along those lines is dentistry. I sent uh, an angry text uh, after my latest dentist appointment this week and just wanted to go over my thoughts more. Um so when I was, I don't know, first time I went to the dentist, real young, they had these pokey things, they had the water drill that 
you know, cleaned off everything. You're trying to keep your mouth open. Uh, fine. All right. That's like, what, what, 1990, like four, 95, something like that. I go into the dentist. You know, I don't go a lot. Um, the kids bless with great teeth and I don't, I don't really need to go a lot. So I go though, you know, it's good to check in and make sure you don't have any cavities and such. So I go in first things first, same chair, same light that shines right in your eyes, same, uh, little poker prodder thing, exact same utensils. And it's just, you know, it's barbaric. They're just grabbing basically a steel toothpick uh, and scraping your teeth, poking your gums. You're bleeding all over the place. And I don't know if it was the dental hygienist that was terrible for me or what it was, but I'm having trouble keeping my mouth open the whole time. She's constantly like, tilt your head, tilt your chin down, open your mouth. And so I'm like, it, it just doesn't work like that. And so I'm like forcing my neck and trying to open my mouth. And it's, it's a travesty. So the whole time I'm like flexing, trying to like perfectly fit my face. Meanwhile, she's reaching in there. She's scraping away um, in between my cavity or in between my teeth and with the little, then, then she brings out the water pick thing. The water pick thing, spraying on my teeth, it's splashing on my face. It's just, like, ridiculous. Uh, so, do better society. I think there's better ways to do this. Um, for example, uh, put a mouth guard on. Get an imprint of whatever teeth you have. Go back. You know, put some sort of device on top of that and just one shot you clean the teeth boom done you can have like little micro things to just be scrubbing you already know what the imprint of the teeth is rearrange it to that put it on top of the teeth clean it you don't even need to go to the dentist for that ridiculous so that's my that's my complaints about the dentist uh and toilet paper so those are those are my uh, my Seinfeld thoughts for this lovely Thursday. Dun 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 All right, let's get to some basketball topics here. Uh, first things first, as promised, let's talk about what JJ is most excited about. I'm JJ, if you didn't know. Um, obviously, because I'm the only one talking. <laughs> Um, so the thing I'm looking forward to most is the race for the eight seed. You got three teams, in my opinion, who have a shot. And I'll talk. I'll talk through some of what makes them exciting for me. So right now, Memphis is seven games up on New Orleans, I believe. Right behind them are the Blazers. The Portland Blazers. So those are the three teams that I think really have a shot. Sure, you've got the Suns in there if they make a crazy run, Sacramento. But, you know, with 25 games left, I'm not sure those guys have enough juice to make it happen. So I'm 
respectfully going to uh, not include them in this conversation, even though I acknowledge that there is a small percentage that they could make it. Um, and here's the thing that makes it most interesting. If you look at strength of schedule for the rest of the year, Memphis Grizzlies, who currently hold the eighth seed, have the most difficult schedule. Ow! And that makes it juicy because that means they're not going to be rolling down the, down the uh, you know, the stretch run here into the playoffs. They're going to hit some tough teams. And, you know, you look at the top of the West, even the top of the East, the games are so tight. Nobody's going to be resting their guys. They're going to be jockeying for position. And, you know, it's going to be a tough, it's going to be a tough sled for them. So that means they're not going to be winning as much as they were. But let me, let me talk up the Grizzlies a little bit before we, before we go down there. Here's a little secret that nobody really knows is that all the success they've been having, it's partially due to John Morant, but I don't think it's as much as everybody's giving him credit for. Let me tell you why. They have one of my favorite players, and I've watched the Grizzlies a lot, and I've bet on them a lot because I think they're fantastic, and they're on a roll, and they play great basketball, and they're young, and they're athletic, and they're fun to watch. Um, and that guy that I love to watch is Brandon Clark. Have you seen this guy? He's like 6'8", six, 6'9", six, jumps out of the gym. He's shooting like 75% from the field. He's catching dunks. He's getting rebounds. He's kicking it out, and he's making some threes. Um, so he's just been crazy efficient. And then on top of him, so you got a crazy efficient, good defender, switches one through four, even plays against some fives, but although he's a little small, although there's not really any big fives except for, you know, a few, a few guys out there now. So you can get away with that. Um, then you got Jaron Jackson Jr. Number three pick, number four pick last year, switches one through five quick enough to get out there and guard some, you know, small guys and he can, and he's a monster defensively. He fouls, fouls a little too much, but the secret to their recipe is really those guys defensively, what they're able to do. Uh, then you bring in, you know, some of those guys off the bench and they're just, they're a really solid team. They got a great culture. Um, I'm a little disappointed. They traded away Jay Crowder. I thought they could have used a veteran guy like him. Um, but I think they'll be fine in the long run. And uh, and then, you know, they do have John Morant, who's been explosive and he's been good at closing games. But you'll watch a few games with them where he only goes 13 points, you know, four or five re- assists, and, and they still win because they have the supporting cast around them. They play good defense. They play well with each other. They share the ball. And so, you know, I like them. And, uh, you know, I think they're going to end up making the playoffs. But then you shift gears. You talk about New Orleans Pelicans basketball. And I don't even know what to do with this team, to be honest with you. I love them. Like I said, I wrote a love letter to them last year, last week, uh, Zion. And then you talk about Lonzo, who's actually hitting some shots and scoring, which if you look back at his L.A. years was his biggest problem. And then that accelerates his assist ability and his passing ability. And he's just racking those up. I see him around like eight, nine assists a game now, uh, shooting closer to 40% for threes. Uh, and he's been great. And 
you know, Brandon Ingram's been crushing it. He played in the in the uh, All Star game, uh, and you know the before they went to the break, they were winning games. They were three and one, uh, and Brandon Ingram wasn't even playing. What what would happen if that happened to those other three teams? So let's say they're the All Star from the other three teams, Damian Lillard. I think we're about to see what's going to happen with them. Uh, when when he's injured, but you look at John Morant or really any of those those key contributors on Memphis. What happens when they go out? The Pelicans still kept it pumping. They were three and one. Now he's back. They've got an easier schedule than the Grizzlies, but again, seven games back. That means, let's say let's say the the Grizzlies slide. You know they're above five hundred right now. Uh, if they slide and they go four and six, three and seven, let's say three and seven, worst case scenario, um, then what happens is the Pelicans go seven and three. They've only made up four games. They're still three games back. And that's if the Pelicans are crushing it. Right, so they really have to go on like a 10, 12 game winning streak, hope that that the uh, Grizzlies fall off to make the playoffs. And you know, I think they they have the ability to do that. Defensively, they're great. They got Drew, they got Lonzo, they got Ingram, they got Josh Hart coming off the bench. I like Kenrich Williams. I like uh, their Jackson Hayes coming off the bench, and obviously, my heart beats for Zion. <laughs> Heartbeats, baby. Uh, and then you talk about Portland. Got a little less hope. I thought they could have made a, a final push if, you know, Dame was healthy and uh, and Nurkic came back. They got a little boost from him, got off the uh, sauce of um, Whiteside. So good luck with that. I think Whiteside's terrible, although he's putting up some numbers, but he's, he's, he's an Andre Drummond in my mind where you put up numbers, you watch him play and go, really that guy. And somehow he gets, you know, 15 rebounds, 15 points cruising, but IMO, which for, uh, for the uh, older people, that's what the kids say for, in my opinion, um, that means in my, uh, IMO is trash. Um, Blazers, I don't think they have a real shot. The only the only chance is if Dame comes back, goes off for another 50-point spree, and C.J. McCollum picks it up. But, you know, I don't know what you do with the, the Blazers because they have these high expectations um, from last year. And, you know, I think that's, that's kind of a red herring for them because I don't think they're really that good to make the – the conference finals. Uh, I think they had a really, really easy schedule, and I think they really, really struggled to get there. Uh, you talk about the Oklahoma City series; that team was not good, and even so much so that the ownership blew that team up and sold off all, it all for parts. And now they're in a much better spot, and actually in a better seating than they were last year. So, I don't know. Boo on them. Uh, so the, And they struggled through that, took a last-second shot from Dame to get through there. And then they took the Nuggets to seven. Uh, you know, 
I think the Nuggets are okay. They're a good regular season team. They've got depth, but they're not that. And then when they face their first opponent, uh, first real opponent, in my opinion, uh, they choked. And they got swept. And they got swept without KD, um, which, you know, that wasn't that great. So... I don't know. It's, I'll be curious to see what happens if they don't make the playoffs. Do they just try to run it back with CJ and Dame and say, okay, we have a healthy Nurkic now? Uh, we'll see. I would I would see what's out there for CJ. I would try to package, you know, CJ and uh, CJ and Anthony Simons or CJ Whiteside, you know, something like that, and maybe get back. I really thought this year they should have traded for Kevin Love before the trade deadline. I think they could have got him for, you know, good price, shipped out Whiteside and got him. Um, they're already locked up with these two, with the two super maxes. And I don't know what you do. Uh, so if you've got thoughts on that, let me know. Um, but that, that, yeah, that's, that's kind of like what I think I, to summarize. I think the Grizzlies are too far ahead, even though they have a tough schedule um, for anybody to really catch them. But if the Pelicans make it close down the down the final run, the last three games of the season for them, I think, are two of them are against the Grizzlies. So that'll be a juicy little run there. And, you know, I'm excited to see uh, how it plays out there. Um, let's see what my next topic was. Okay. <laughs> Jimmy Buckets. Jimmy Butler. So let's flash back five years ago. My main man, I'm living in Chicago. Jimmy Butler was balling. This was right when Derrick Rose left, gets traded to New York, um, and the rise of Jimmy is here. And it's his team. He's loving it. Um scoring 20 points a game, makes an all-star team, really ascends to be one of the top players, and, and he's and one of my favorite players at that time. But then he goes through what I guess you would call, he just decides he doesn't like his situation in several places. And so he forces a trade out of the Bulls, um, and then he goes to the Timberwolves. From the Timberwolves, he, ta- he spends about a year and a half there, year and change, Decides that, you know, this group can't get it done. And then gets traded to the Sixers. I mean, in that in that situation, he basically, like, threw a, threw a fit until uh, he got his way and got traded. So then he gets traded to the Sixers. Does about half a year there. Signs with the Heat. Um, and everybody wants to call him a bad teammate and... You know, he's never, never happy with the situation, yada, 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 yada. Um, So I'm here for Jimmy Butler. And what I want to say is that I think he was right. Let's go back and look at all of his decisions. The Bulls, um, their coach was terrible. He got fired. They bring in this new guy. The new guy has... He's there for a week, and the players revolt. Their team is trashed. I mean, look at their draft picks. They got Lowry Markkinen, who 
he he has some flashes, but he's not consistent, and I think he's not as good a shooter as um, you know a lot of people think based on his form. If you look at his percentages, so you got that. You got Wendell Carter can't stay on the floor. Chris Dunn, uh, maybe a good backup, maybe not. It's hard to say at this point. He's good defensively, and that's about it. And they're perpetually. Uh, just not making the playoffs in the East, which is even more embarrassing. <coughs> so he wanted to get out of that situation because he didn't like the ownership. He didn't like the front office. He didn't like the coach and didn't trust where they were going. I think he was right there. Let's now go to the uh, Timberwolves. Gets traded there. Spend some time, sees these guys. Um, I think they made the playoffs one year where they were up with the Nuggets or something like that, and they had to win to get in, and they ended up doing it, but they they got swept out. Um, and he plays with those guys, realizes they don't have the stuff it takes to win. I'm talking about Cat. I'm talking about Wiggins. And then he looks around at the surrounding cast, Gorgie Jang. <laughs> and... Uh, all the other pieces they have. And he says, you know what? Cat, you're soft. Goes into a practice, bullies him, shits on his head, takes a pee in the middle of the court, walks off the practice, gets traded to the 76ers. Now let's let's go back. Is that maybe the best way to ask for a trade? No, I don't think so. But was he wrong in asking for a trade? What have they done since? Nothing, really. They've done nothing. And they got Dario Saric back. They got Covington back. And those guys are already flipped and gone. And now they're a a new startup with a new hope. And they've got Cat and D'Angelo Russell. I'm here to say, as long as Cat's the best guy on your team, you're not winning shit. He sucks. Sorry, Cole. Um, I'll bring you on to be able to... uh, defend it, but that's just how I feel. I think he's a losing player, and and there's a couple of those guys like that in the league. You look at Devin Booker, the more points he scores, the more his team loses. Um, I don't think Bradley Beal's there, but dangerously close, and you got Cat. So these are just the big numbers, means nothing. Andre Drummond, supposed to be an all-star, puts up 20 and 20, doesn't win anything. Um... Trying to think. So, so those are my other guys. So, in my opinion, Jimmy Butler forcing his way out of there. Good call by you, dude. Um, and then you go to Philadelphia and plays there. Everybody says they're one shot away from winning the championship because they, uh, you know, they almost beat the Raptors and then the Raptors, yada, yada, yada. And won the championship. I don't think the the Sixers were going to win the championship, even if uh, that happened. Because you forget the Raptors then went on to beat the Bucks, um, whom they struggled with, and the only reason they won is because Kawhi shut down Giannis. And so, I think the people that are saying the Sixers could have won the championship, eh, pump the brakes there. Um. So. He, he opts out of that situation after reaching the second round. And then you look at what happened to the Sixers this year. Um, they brought in what 
a lot of people think is a good culture guy, Horford. Um, and it's just been a terrible disaster. And they haven't been able to get any sort of offensive flow. Defensively, they're pretty good. But offensively, they're just, they don't fit. I think anybody can see that. You've got somebody who can't shoot and a seven-footer who wants to be on the block. That's two guys in the same exact spot. It's not going to work. You bring in a 6'10 power forward, uh, Horford. That's not going to work. Okay? They all, uh, they all best operate out of the same spot. Sure, Horford can pop out and spot up, but where he's most valuable is picking and popping, picking and rolling, uh, catching it on the block with a smaller guy on switches. Um, and that's what he did in Boston. That's where he thrived. That's what he did in Atlanta. That's where he thrived. And so now he just doesn't have a spot. And Ben Simmons doesn't know, know where to go in crunch time. Joel Embiid's out pump faking at the three-point line. And it looks like a disaster so far. Um, so I don't know what to do with them. And uh, and I think you look back at Jimmy's Jimmy's decision. He played with them and said... I don't think this is the right spot for Murray. Now he ends up in Miami, finds a spot with a bunch of shooters, a bunch of switchable guys. He's got Bam Bam on his team. And uh, I think he's happy there. If he would have stayed in any any of the other situations, I think he wouldn't have been happy. So I'm here for the Jimmy Butler (coughs) um, right side of history, saying he made all the right decisions. I don't think he necessarily did it in the best way but I understand why he did it now and I agree with him and I think he's in the best spot that he could possibly be. So, I don't know. I think there's going to be some pushback on the Jimmy Butler love there, but that's just how I feel. All right, last talking point here. NBA players and their speech coaches. This is something that I just feel like all the NBA players are so fake. And I get it. They're they're thrown in front of the microphone all the time. They're trying not to say anything stupid. They're trying to get the good headlines out about them and get rid of all the bad ones. But after the All-Star game, could you please just not say, okay, the reason that we played hard was because of Kobe. Come on, man. You're just trying to get, like, oh, Kawhi started playing defense because Kobe for Kobe. No, you didn't. And you see this with all the other tragedies. Um, it's like somebody will, after Nipsey, Nipsey Hussle died, somebody will go out, be like, they score 30 points. Like, yeah, that one was for you, Nipsey. The marathon continues. And it's like, I, you can't say anything because they're saying the right thing. But you know it's not genuine. They're just trying to tie together storylines after the game and just be like, oh, I played well. Uh, Yeah, I did it for Kobe. I did it for this. I did it for that. And it's just like these guys are coached so well in interviews on how to, like, tie it to a better theme to make them look better and make them act like they care about what's going on when they're just going out and they're playing basketball. The reason they played hard was because of the format. It wasn't because... They were like, oh, let's do this for Kobe. The reason they played hard was because Giannis was busting his ass. And they weren't playing hard in the first quarter. Giannis's team got smoked. Then all of a sudden he was like, all right, well, I'm going to kick it up and not just start dunking on everybody. Intensity picks up a little bit. And then in the fourth quarter, we got that new format where LeBron's team just locks in 
uh, plays a little bit of defense. You know, you got Kyle Lowry out there taking charges and flopping all over the place, but you know that's what NBA basketball is now, and and uh, he's giving maximum effort, which I which I appreciated. And as it gets tighter, there's a chance to win. There's a chance to hit a buzzer-beating walk-off. Uh, LeBron chucks one up from half court, trying to hit it. And I think, uh, you know, that's why people were playing hard. But you know, whatever the next thing is, you'll you're gonna start hearing this. Now that I mentioned it, whenever you hear somebody talk, they're going to be bringing up the culture topic and saying, yeah, this, yeah, that. Just stop BSing, be serious, and be authentic because it's not coming off as authentic. And that's all we really want. That's all I want. Okay. All right. Well, that's the end of the, uh, that's the, end of the episode. A quick short one little dopamine boost for you guys driving out there. Um, and, you know, if I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.